Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, welcome to Facebook Live with The Ledger. I'm Gary White. I'm a reporter here at The Ledger. And my guest today is Syra Lozano. Syra uh, is a Lakeland resident, and she's considered a dreamer. That's a term that applies to people who were brought to the United States without legal authorization as children. Uh, that term arose from the DREAM Act, a bill first proposed in 2001 that would establish protections and a path to per- permanent residency for such undocumented people. Syra entered the U.S. from Mexico with her family when she was five years old. After growing up in California, she came to Lakeland to attend Southeastern University. She earned a graduate degree last December and is now working as an adjunct instructor. Syra is a recipient of Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, a program created by former President Obama in 2012. That policy allows non-citizens who fit certain requirements to gain protection from deportation and to apply for driver's licenses and work permits. Syra is one of about 700,000 people nationally enrolled in the program. Last fall, President Trump announced his plans to rescind DACA. At that point, he gave Congress six months to create a new plan to protect the DREAMers. That deadline passed on Monday, and Congress has not yet passed any legislation. A pair of court rulings rendered that deadline somewhat meaningless as the president's order is on hold now, and uh, that development seemed to stall the momentum that had been building in Congress to take action on the issue. Syra is here today to talk about her own experiences, the plight of dreamers in general, and the prospects of changes in immigration policy. And we will welcome questions to be submitted through our Facebook page that we will that will be relayed to us. Uh, that address is www.facebook.com slash the ledger. And so with that introduction i'll turn it over to syra to tell her story thank you gary and thank you ledger i really appreciate the opportunity to be here today i think it's really important for the community and individuals and anyone that really um, hears about DACA to put a face to the issue because really we're not a statistic, we're not a number, we are human beings, we are individuals and we are in every community across the country so it's important that you know we're able to see a a specific person. Um, And the story that I shared today, although it is you know the story and the journey that God has taken me through, it is very similar to the dreamers all across the nation and everything that we've been through. So um, the average dreamer dreamer came at the age of six and is now 26. I came at the age of five and I'm now 23. Um, We we came really, my family had a 
uh, a better livelihood, hopes and aspirations for me coming from Mexico, going through um, just fearing safety and economical struggles. My parents wanted me to come here, get an education. I say this over and over again, and I will always say it, education to many immigrants, it's not only the pathway to the American dream, but it is the American dream. And, and that is the goal that we had in mind when we came. Um, there are varieties of visas. The only one that I qualified for was the visitor's visa. Um, and coming here, at, when I was five years old, I originally thought we were just on vacation. It was a nice summer, pretty California, until I was enrolled in school. Um, so just, just growing up, I, I didn't know what it meant after the years when my visa expired. I didn't know, you know, as, as a kid, the repercussions or the significance. But what I did know was, was the hard work that my parents were doing to provide for me. What I did know was the sacrifice that we made in leaving behind a community, family, well-being, um, uh, you know, just being around a community so that I could have a, a better future here. So it, it is that knowledge um, that really became the weight on my shoulders too, that would both keep me up at night but propel me during the day to make sure that their sacrifices were not in vain. Um, so once I, once I was in high school and even um, before high school, we, we, we consulted with, with legal help, trying to see, you know, what, what are some solutions for me? How can I, um, you know, have status, gain status, be able to go to college and pursue that American dream? The only options that I was given were either to be given up for adoption or to marry, get married when I turned 18. Um, so we, I mean, we thought about this, and at, when I was 16, my parents said, you know, education, it, it is the American dream for you. We want you to pursue it. We want you to be able to have a better livelihood, and they were willing to give me up for adoption. But at that age, I was actually too old for that. So um, it, it, it was just, it, at the time, it felt like another door was shut in my face of that opportunity. But when I graduated high school at 17 was when President Obama enacted the Deferred Action of Childhood Arrivals. And that really felt like it, it was God sent. Um, when everything else um, had every other opportunity, every other pathway had shut down, this was, it came at the perfect timing for me, right after high school. Um, I headed off to college and, and the first step in my education that I that I decided to take was to go to Bible college. I wanted to make sure that, that I had a firm foundation in my knowledge and I wanted to make sure that I built the rest of my life on that foundation. So I went to LABI Bible College in La Puente, California. Um, I, I had great experiences there growing and learning and after finishing um, my schoolwork there I knew that I, I wanted to pursue my professional career um, in business uh, and I'm also interested in law. And so I transferred over here to Southeastern University. Um, so because of DACA, I had a, a driver's license, which allowed me to fly over here uh, to Florida. And I pursued my education here. I got involved with Enactus, a, a local um, school organization, but it's also worldwide. It's just a, a school chapter. In that chapter, I became the overall project manager. I really... Um, enjoyed the, or, or really felt like I connected with their mission, which was to feel, find need gaps in the community and fill them through entrepreneurial actions. Um, and that's just something personally that I want to commit my, my life, mission, and career to, to community development, poverty alleviation, improving livelihoods. Uh, I've seen the difference that, it, that it's had in my own life. I've seen the difference that it's had in other people's lives, and that's what I want to commit my life to. So um, 
in, in hearing about this organization, I got very involved, became the overall project manager, and even started my own project, uh, co-started helping post-incarcerated women obtain employment. Um, that, that was a great opportunity just to serve my local community here in Lakeland. Um, after that, that summer, I uh, was accepted into the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute to do a congressional internship in Washington, D.C. with Congressman Raul Ruiz. That was a, a great opportunity, and I think that was the first instance that I, that I realized um, the power that a story has and the power that individuals and as is in, in our civic duty can have in, in policy and in politics. Um, so coming back to finish my last semester, or my, yeah, my last semester here at SEU, um, I was still very quiet about my situation. I never shared it with friends, um, only maybe one close friend until um, the election started coming. And immigration became a hot topic. It, it was what everyone was talking about, and it was just um, uh, something that I felt like not only did I have an opinion on, but I also have a, a personal experience. And that, again, the, the concepts that I learned in D.C. about the importance of a story and the importance of putting a face to an issue and to a number, um, and that's how I started to first come out with my friends, started sharing it with them, feeling a, a little more safe, and seeing the change in perspectives that they had gave me hope, so I continued. Um, then it was on to my professors, and then it was on to other community members, and then it was on to, and that's how I started seeing uh, perspectives and mindsets being changed, and they, they really understand this 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 is be beyond um, the, the political issue, the polarization. It goes to the heart of the American values. It goes to the heart of human dignity, and it goes to the heart of just who we are as Americans. Um, so I, I kept on sharing it, and God has just taken me on this amazing journey to be able to share not only with you know my friends and people around me, but also to go to D.C. Um, I've been able to, to speak with over 15 Florida congressional representatives and over five from other um, states and just share my story, share the, the dreamer narrative, and share the importance of legislation actually coming into place. Um, so that's what DACA was for me. Um, it was, and it, it currently still is, it was just a little opening of hope where there was none before. And with that little opening uh, of hope, we took ownership of it. The DACA recipients and dreamers across the nation took ownership of it, and we showed you know, our communities what we could do if given the, the, the legal possibilities to do it. We showed them, we became um, teachers, we became um, paramedics, we became in every area of, uh, of, of careers. You know, we can't pinpoint one because we are in every area of the careers, some that are still studying, some that are, you know, still in high school having dreams to study and to do. Um, so, so really, it, it's just that, that glimpse of, of hope what this legislation could do for us. Um, it, it's unfortunate now, I, I guess, fast forward to where we are now. The March 5th deadline passed, unfortunately. Um, I, I guess the entire six months, starting um, back when President Trump announced that the program would be recited, it has been a roller coaster ride of hope and disappointments, of uh, having something so close and tangible to absolutely having nothing. 
uh, and and but you know I, I I kept on fighting. We all kept on fighting. We will all keep on fighting because the 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 opposite to that is just to, the thought of it is unfathomable to deport. Uh, you know, people who have, we've lived here our entire lives. We've pledged allegiance to the flag. Um, it, it, we've, we've, we've become a part of our communities. We know no other place but the U.S. to be our home. We want to do things right. We want to do things by the law. But currently there is no legal way for us to, to be abiding citizens, to take the responsibilities of, of being a citizen. We want to be that. We want to do that. We want to continue, continue to contribute. Um, and because there, there is no pathway, that, that's why we're fighting. That's why we're, we're trying to create a pathway. Because if, if history has taught us anything, is that just because laws are the way that they are right now does not mean that they're right and does not mean that they cannot change to improve and to be better and to be something that is beneficial for society. So that's what I think that um, our current state, obviously, it's uh, unfortunate, it's terrible, disappointing that the March 5th deadline passed. Um, the, the injunction or the court ruling um, that is allowing DACA recipients to continue to apply, that's hope. It's still, I, that's very, I, I was very happy to hear that, but of course that came at the cost of taking away the pressure on that deadline. Um, and it also came at the cost of new DACA recipients that are aging into the program that can't apply, high school students that want to go to college that can't apply to that DACA, DACA program. Um, you know, I, I've talked to some high school students here locally, and they tell me that that's, that's their biggest fear. You know, I really believe that, that I'm speaking now from a place of privilege because I've already finished my education, and that was my, my parents and my American dream. And I've seen the power that an education can give you, you know, the, the things that, 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 that it can do and then what you're able to do to give back through it. Um, and so these high school students, that's, that's their biggest fear, not being able to obtain an education, not being able to do what I was able to do in obtaining an education. Um, and, and that really it is what I'm still fighting for, for, for the dreams of all the dreamers. Um, that is, is, it's nothing more than to continue living and contributing in the only place that they know us as their home. So I'm really thankful for the opportunity to be here. And like we said before, I welcome questions. I welcome the opportunity to have a candid conversation um, just because I, I, I know there are many, um, I've had many trolls out there and, and I want the opportunity you know, to have a conversation about these things because a lot of times I feel that it's misinformation and not really knowing um, what, what, what the circumstances are. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. and just, just to clarify for viewers, you're, you have been able to renew your DACA status and at this point your, your status runs until next year? Until I still have status for my previous renewal until next year, so I next have not year. renewed yet. It okay. has to be, I believe, within a 120-day period that you apply for renewal. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and I know just from the story I'm working on that's scheduled to run this weekend, I talked to you and another young woman, and I just uh, since last year, since before President Trump made this announcement from then to now, it seems like some people who, some dreamers who were public back then are now yeah. reluctant to speak. I had a few who had 
talked to me for previous articles, but he didn't want to for this story. So it seems like the situation, even for people who have DACA status, uh, there's a new anxiety um, because of the the current situation with the with President yeah. Trump's order. It, it's true, and there is anxiety, and there is still fear. I mean, the fear of deportation is still very real and present, even to me speaking right now. Um, but I, I, I still remember when I first, the first time I shared my, my story publicly was through a New York Times storyboard. And when it was published, it was published with my picture from graduation. Um, and I was really just happy just that they meant so much to me. So I was really happy that it was published with that picture. But then after, after um, things started happening with immigration and just the rhetoric and the political climate, they actually took all the pictures from the dreamers down. And that kind of just scared me personally and, and realizing, okay, if, if media is doing this to protect us, you know, what am I, am I going to continue doing this? Am I going to continue being public about it? But I, I honestly believe that I, what I have right now, the opportunities that I've had to speak and converse with people and share my story, it, it's a God-given platform and it's a duty that I have, not only for myself, but for the thousands of dreamers, and not only for the thousands of dreamers, but for America, you know, who, will we, who we will become um, uh, as a nation. So um, it's an anxiety that it is still very present, and of course with, with, the, co- with the court's uh, ruling, our DACA permits and the protection and the ability to renew even now could be taken away at any point when they actually do rule on it. Um, So it's still a very present fear, but, you know, I'm trusting that the American people will will act and that our Congress will act and that, you know, whatever may come of it, I'm just trusting in God and and doing what I believe is my duty to do. Mm And you, uh, you've talked about having support from people at Southeastern University. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I felt since um, since the article that we, the Ledger published, uh, I, I've felt very supported by the community, and I think that that's in general all of Lakeland. I think that's reflective of the 86% of Americans that want a permanent solution um, for Dreamers. It it was very reflective of that and among that support was my university. So um, just having their support and Dr. Engel's support in what I'm doing and being able to go to meetings with him in DC, share my story in front of the student body, things like that And, and just the students themselves showing support. We had a national, we participated in the national uh, call-in day, and we had students come in and, and call representatives from across um, Florida, and also if they were from out of state, from across out of state, over 170 calls were made that day, and and just that support, you know, coming from someone that I was very hidden about my status, and very, really, I was ashamed. Um, I, I felt like I lived a double life, and I felt like the, the only thing that I, I could really talk about and share about were were my accomplishments because I, I couldn't I didn't want to talk about my feelings I didn't want to talk about my family didn't want to talk about my status I, so I just focused on on my accomplishments and focused on on doing so the the just the support that that I've been able to have from coming from someone that you know being so hidden and really ashamed of it to seeing the support that community has given me and other dreamers across the nation has been wonderful mm-hmm. okay yeah. that's good to know 
we have any questions yet? Or, okay, we'll keep talking. Um, so since you have become public, um, have you had any negative experiences? You mentioned trolls. Is that yeah. on people online who are not too nice to you? Or Yeah, it's it's been mostly online. I, I think, um, you know, people aren't going to say the same things in person. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of the times when I end up having a conversation with someone, even if they aren't supporting it, and we just have a candid conversation cordially. Um, and they, they end up really coming around towards the end of the conversation or, or just re- respecting me or my stance. But mm-hmm. it's really been more um, online after articles that I write. Um, and like I said, I think most of it really comes from a place of lack of knowledge. Um, I get a lot of why didn't you, you know, get in line, get in line. Why do you think you can cut the line? Um, and, you know, like I shared during high school, I tried to get in line. Um, right now, um, if I tried to get in line, so-called, the only opportunity that I would have would be through an employment visa, and even those are very hard in and themselves to get, and they're very limited, and there's a whole process that goes through it, but say that I did get it, because I've lived here in the U.S. Um, before DACA, without status, I would, would have a punishment time, and depending of where you're from, it, the, uh, the uh, times vary. For me, it's looking around 20 years in Mexico before I can re-enter um, to the United States. So I'm 23. That's basically a lifetime, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lifetime away, so that I can mm-hmm. come back and contribute and do what I'm already doing here. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's just it, it's it's. I think it's reflective of the immigration system as a whole, how there, um, you know, there there are many flaws to it, and how it has not been reformed in decades. Um, so I, I, I do believe that we need a better immigration system and a reform, but that has to be separate from the DREAM Act. Um, you know, President um, Obama called this the right thing to do for DREAMers. President Trump called this the, the, the bill of love, and it really is, because although we are a nation of laws, we are also a nation of compassion, and those aren't mutually exclusive to each other. And this is what a solution for DREAMers really needs to be, a, a mix of both. Um, So I believe that, you know, both sides of the aisle have now come to a consensus on the wall, at least, which is something that uh, President Trump has has said that he wants if there's a dream resolution. Um, But just tying other things to that and making it, you know, more more extensive. I I agree, we need an immigration form. I agree we need different, to fix different parts of that, but that is not a part of the DREAM Act. That is separate from, and that can come, you know, right after it, but it it should not be a part of the DREAM Act because as we saw in the Senate, um, you know, when when the last bill was introduced that they were voting on that had all the provisions that had to do with uh, family reunification or what some people call change migration and the lottery visa and also funding for the wall um, and of course helping dreamers that not only had the least votes but it, t- it had 60 votes to completely go against it so that was the worst bill that really people were not supporting so we know now even from the Senate showing us that um, and even general public also that it, it this needs to be a narrow solution and I think people have have agreed that um, if that means, you know, funding a, a more border security at the border, um, I have spoken with with um, 
some people that have shared that there are parts of the border that don't necessarily have a wall. So, I mean, if there are open spaces like that that need more reinforcement and just a mix of, of um, you know, other protections, whether it be through, through um, media or through more agents or through technology, that, that's understandable. Um, uh, the other the other parts of it are not a part of the Dream Act. They're they're not a part of, of helping us because really, it makes us feel um, guilty. You know, people given provisions, us being given provisions and status on the backs of other immigrants, and you know, being able it, that that's just not something that we want to do. It's not something that I would feel comfortable doing. It's not legislation that I would feel comfortable supporting. And to be honest, it's not legislation that if it passed that way that I would be comfortable accepting at all. I would look for different options in my future rather than you know, take provisions at the expense of other immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a question that has come in. Someone is asking, what prevents Syra from becoming a citizen? You've gone over this a little bit, yeah. but if you can clarify um, that. So, uh, like I, I shared a little bit earlier, when I was in high school, we did try to find ways to, uh, for myself to gain legal status, and the only options that we were given was either giving me up for adoption to be adopted by citizens so that I could gain status as their um, as a child or marriage um, other than that there is no other um, you know the the main visas or the main paths to residency are through family reunification you have to have someone a family member that is already a citizen um, also through um, family reunification and uh, it skips me right now. There's a couple other visas. I have visited attorneys. I have spoken with, with people of the law, try to see what, what is, you know, what is that? That's my question. What's mm -hmm. preventing me from becoming a citizen? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we do want to become citizens. Mm -hmm. it, it, and it's the, the mere fact that there is no legal pathway or there is no, the, the current law system does not have those provisions, does not allow us to just apply and to, say, pay a fee and, and, mm -hmm. and, and take a test and become citizens, if, if, if that was possible I would have been in line I would have been I would have done it already I would have been a citizen I think all of us would have already because we love this country we love this nation we don't enjoy being called illegal we don't enjoy um, saying people telling us that we're breaking the law and that we're not welcome we, we want to be a part of a part of this nation permanently and legally so that's really what, what we're trying to create a pathway so that I can become a citizen so that we can become citizens and so you talked some about the uncertainty and anxiety. So it seems like at this point, uh, the combination of those court rulings, which sort of took the pressure off the hard deadline for Congress to act, um, that and also the fact that people in both parties know how popular <clears throat> doing something for dreamers is, and so they're trying to put other elements into a package to go along with that and each side sort of backing down. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going to happen if the situation drags on and Congress doesn't pass anything? Yeah. Um, what, what happens for you? I, I think, honestly, with that, 
the biggest concern or really fear that I have is that people will forget. Is that we have other legislation that is pressing, other news that are pressing, and we they will forget again. You know, the, the DREAM Act started in 2001. Um, after 9-11, it took nine years for it to be brought back up in the national agenda. And after that, it took another eight years for it to be brought back up in the national agenda. Mm -hmm. So it, we were in the national agenda, and now it looks like we're fading away. Is it going to take another eight, nine years for it to be brought back up again? And even if it is brought back up, will there even be a solution? So I, I think that so many dreamers, like you said, have already, we've, we've put ourselves on the line. We've really risked it all in coming out and saying, this is who I am. This is my story. This is why this is important. Please help us. Um, and really, that that is the, the plea and that is the, the anthem that we've been singing because we really want to see a solution now. This has been dragged on for far too long. Um, and, and my fear is that it will continue to be dragged on for far too long. If people don't get engaged and people don't act, if people forget um, about us. All right. Okay. Well, you have, you mentioned earlier that you have been involved in some advocacy on the issue. Um, do you, you want to talk at all about what you've done to, toward, to talk to lawmakers or try to... Um, <clears throat> Uh, spur some sort of action on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I've locally, I, I've spoken at, at several events just to gain more momentum and, and like I said, share my story and bring awareness to the issue. Um, we started a petition uh, sending to our local congressman, uh, Dennis Ross, asking him to support the DREAM Act, which I'm happy to say that he recently, um, I believe a month back, signed on to the USA Act. Uh, supporting dreamers mm -hmm. so uh, and also in that being able to um, just I think um, education and sharing my story and sharing, sharing the knowledge and and just all of that has been very important so I've been able to do that through various media sources across Florida and even on the Washington Post um, and then heading up to DC and talk to lawmakers and really talking to lawmakers on both sides of, of the aisle because um, you know signing a, a legislation signing on or co-sponsoring is, is is not enough you know it, if it really means nothing if if it's signed on but then there's no action or if it's signed on but then there's no support so really speaking to both representatives that have already supported it that are still on the line and sharing why it's important sharing um, not only the the personal stories but also the economic factors that come with it and that come with dreamers um, so being able to do that and I think um, in in a, a, as we move forward we really have to stop seeing this as a red or blue issue as a Republican or Democrat issue it really has to stop being a, a politically polarized issue we need to come together as one and realize that this goes to the heart of human dignity this goes to the heart of values you know my mom always said tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. And to put my little spin on that, it's just, you know, tell me what your immigration policy is and I'll tell you who you are. This is, this is we're, we're just human beings trying to contribute to a country and wanting to do things right and by the law. And there are too many uh, competing uh, thoughts and legislation, things like that, that, that are prohibiting it. So it, it really is um, 
important that we stop seeing it as a political issue, that we stop putting our, our, our hopes on, on a certain side and we start holding every single one of our representatives responsible and, and for their actions and for their inactions as well. Um, I think it's important that as individuals we, we get involved. As a dreamer, I don't have a vote. I, I can't vote, so I don't have very much political, um, you know, significance, you would say. Um, actually, no, I would challenge that. I have a lot of political significance because although I don't have a vote, I do have a voice. And what we need is for people to stand in the gap for dreamers, um, to stand in the gap for dreamers and say, I, I will speak up and I will act on, on your behalf, really, and saying we need allies in, in, in the community. Um, to really speak on this issue and to call the representatives and say, hey, I, I'm a constituent from your district. What are you doing to support Dreamers? A simple question. Uh, you know, the congressman has supported this or this or congresswoman. And then say, okay, well, I would urge the representative to please continue to push for legislation, permanent solution for Dreamers, a pathway to citizenship, Please, well, we, we are all watching. We are all watching and waiting to see what you do. So to call, to write, um, just to get engaged in, in, in civic duty, in our civic duty to get engaged. So. Mm -hmm. And so since you have become public on this issue, have you heard from other dreamers? Do they look to you as kind of a mentor or share their stories or seek advice from you? All of the above. <laughs> yeah. um, I, 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 I think it's 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 been wonderful to be able to find a community of more dreamers um, in both my advocacy. So go, when I go to DC, I meet up with dreamers across the nation, um, and or even here locally meeting dreamers. And something that I found that just amazed me was that we were all so similar. Even though we were from all across the nation, we were similar in that we had similar aspirations and similar desires to, to give back, a similar work ethic, because like, like I shared, we, we know the sacrifices that our parents have made and we want to make sure that they're not in vain. Um, similar, um, just desire to, to become contributing members of society. And just, I, I, what I also found is that we we've have this, um, this responsibility, I would say, to prove ourselves uh, worthy of being here. So that, that, that is why many dreamers, you see, that's why many of them are valedictorians. Many of them are very involved. And you see all these stories of dreamers, and you're like, wow, the, these kids are amazing. But it's because we, we've had to really say we're not accepting. We continue to try to prove ourselves. We are worthy of being here. We do want to contribute. We do want to be a part of society. Is this not good enough for you? Is this not good enough for you? Is this not good? And you know what? Up until this point, Congress has told us, no matter what you've done, it's still not good enough for me. You know, I, I, I've obtained my, my master's degree. I'm an adjunct professor. I, I also, I'm also an admin. I work at the university. I'm passionate about community development. I want to work in that. It's still not good enough. You know, and that's really a, a sentiment that, that I, I felt as I meet more dreamers. That what really surprises me is how similar we are in our sentiments and how much we, we just want to continue to contribute and be able to live here and, you know, and be able to be a, a part of the community that we're already a part of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so if... Uh, if Congress is to act, if there is some political solution that would give people like you, uh, DACA recipients, dreamers, a 
path to either per permanent residency or citizenship what what is your future what are your future goals what do you yeah. see yourself doing I think that the first thing that I want to do um, is visit my grandma just because I haven't seen her in 18 years mm -hmm. and she calls me I, I feel like you know I, I know what she looks like in picture but I don't really know what she looks like um, currently and I know she has diabetes so she's sick and I when she calls me she so sweet she knows the, the perfect timing and days to call me and right before my graduation on valentine's on my birthday right before an interview she remembers dates when we speak so she always knows the right timing to call me and i always share my hopes and aspirations with her um i also share my fears but something that i don't share with her is that you know one of my biggest fears is that every time that i hang up the phone i i don't know if if that'll be the last time that i speak to her and i don't know if I will never get to see her again and be able to hug her. So I think that's that's definitely one of my top goals is to be able to visit my grandma. Um, if legislation does pass and I'm able to gain residency and be able to fly out of the country and come back in, um, that would be one of my first steps. Uh, other than that, I'm, I mean, the sky is the limit. I, I am excited. I, I Community development, I've... I've really uh, aimed to see how it's done at different levels. Um, so whether it was in, through the nonprofits and Enactus and partnering with corporations, and then through uh, the local government, through the federal federal government. So I, I I'm excited to be able to do that. When I see some job postings in the federal government that I want to apply to, but I can't because I'm not a citizen. You know, I interned on on Capitol Hill and had some job opportunities that I couldn't take because I'm not a citizen. So um, I think the the first goal would be to see my grandma. Uh, the second goal would be to continue pursuing my my career wherever that that may lead me. Um, and honestly. Beyond that, it's just continue doing what I'm doing right now, just living regularly, um, because we're we're already living and contributing here, and it's it's just being able to do that without fear and without that weight on our shoulders. Um, I think that that would help us not only continue to um, grow and be able to be do better in our careers and in our future livelihoods. Um, but it, it'll just give us that peace of mind mm -hmm. and okay. security. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we're gonna wind things down. So this has been our uh, Facebook live chat for the Ledger, and my guest has been Sire Lozano, who is. Uh, has a master's degree from Southeastern University, lives here in Lakeland. She's a, a dreamer, someone in the uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. So thanks a lot, Syrah. Thank you for having me. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.